Okay. You ready now? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. You sure? Because this is like the 15th time that we've tried this, and you're acting a little weird. I said I'm good. You have nothing to worry about. Why would I worry to begin with? No, you definitely shouldn't worry about anything. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, now you're starting to make me worry. The amount of how much you don't want me to worry is sketch. Really? I'm okay now. I'd like to record the podcast now. Okay, here goes. Welcome to the Creeperama. And we're your hosts. I'm Justin. And I'm James. Creatures from the world of the undead. The most bizarre. Devil worship. Satanism, black magic, or witchcraft. Zodiac killer. All lights go out and the monsters are released from their coffins. Now, prepare yourself for the most gruesome and grotesque experience of them all. The Creeperama. To prepare for this episode, I did the logical thing, which was watch Captain Ron. Yeah, that makes sense. And I had a couple revelations about Kurt Russell while I was watching Captain Ron for the gazillionth time. One of which is he is just a gigantic kid. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which is really awesome to see even now when I watch interviews with him or just watch him in in recent roles like Guardians of the Galaxy and the new Santa Claus stuff that he's doing. He's still the same. He's just a gigantic toddler. And I mean that in the best of ways. He's just Kurt Russell. Yeah. No, I think I'd say say he's like an eight to 12 year old. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very mischievous. But what's also interesting to me is it's not like he's ever been like a jacked dude to be such an... He's he's been kind of he was kind of ripped for um escape for escape yeah yeah but like when you watch him in in Captain Ron he's very skinny he's like pirate ripped he's but, just pirate <laughs> yeah he looks great in a speedo huge balls <laughs> yeah I don't know I don't know about the shaft but solid size balls both figuratively and literally yeah yeah I can't I can't help it my you know. I mean, that's it, it, it's Kurt look, Russell it, in a speedo, man. Come on. I mean, it's a testament to speedo engineering because you can't you somebody some dudes wearing a speedo, you can't help but notice the size of their balls. Yeah, which you're, is probably why more dudes should stop wearing speedos, unless if your balls are the size of Kurt Russell's balls. No one's balls are the size of Kurt Russell's balls. Very good point. We are three minutes into this episode, and we're already on the topic of Kurt Russell's balls. You are welcome. How long did we take to get to Dick Gun? Oh, I don't know. A lot longer than it took to get to Kurt Russell's balls, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, It's high on the list. It's uh, high it's on high, the list. High on the list. I don't know what list, but it is high on it. So, for the sake of authenticity, mm-hmm. I will be recording this episode from inside of a freezer... <laughs> And I couldn't, I couldn't afford to just get the cameo from the thing, from the thing. Uh, <laughs> so I just have a really upset carrot. It's yeah, a really upset carrot next it to is. me. And I think that's gonna help. The resemblance is uncanny. 
Can okay, so before we get into, I just put on oh. socks, just socks. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm it's only unnerving. Socks. It's, it's yeah. unfucking nerving. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, it, it, you know, it's we're in Florida. I'm never cold, but <laughs> for this to try and channel my inner Antarctica, I put on socks. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. It makes sense if you think about it. We're not going to think about it, but yeah. it does make sense if you think about it. Yeah, yeah. I can't think about it because then I'll just get hot because yeah. I got socks on in, in Florida. Florida. So before we really get into this, although I guess technically we've already gotten into this. We already hit the topic of Kurt Russell's balls. I'm wearing We're, socks. You got a carrot. Speaking of carrot, so... The original monster is a fucking carrot. It's just a mad carrot. That's literally what they say. Wait, they actually... It, it, so in the 1950-whatever thing from another world, yes. they call it a carrot? It's a fucking carrot. It definitely looked like a guy. They do not say the monster is a carrot, Uh huh. but they do say that it grows like a carrot, Like, because that's, that's what happened is it broke into the greenhouse... And it buried parts of itself in the soil in order to grow new versions of it. And they were like, it has the same makeup as a vegetable, much like a carrot. What? Yes. I, so, and for listeners, I watched that movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's why the greenhouse was such a big deal. Okay, so... In the thing from another world, the original thing, the alien crash lands. Yes. Now, in that movie, you don't see the alien until the end, closer to the end. Yeah, I mean, you kind of see it a couple times, but yeah. not really. Yeah, it's more like a Frankenstein monster. It, yeah, it's definitely, a, it's definitely a Frankenstein carrot. Okay, so leading up to the reveal of the, the alien, mm -hmm. you're telling me that before that, he, the alien did not look like the alien does when you see him on screen. No, I think that this is this is pulling a lot of a lot of contextual <laughs> shit from the movie because uh -huh. it's not look, I, I I actually kind of ended up enjoying the movie. But mm -hmm. first off, there's too many fucking people in that movie. Oh my God, it's it's packed. It's constant and and they're all talking at the same time at all times. Yeah. That was actually one of the things that John Carpenter talked about in the commentary for his remake was yeah. how terrifying it is. And I didn't think about this until I really listened to him and Kurt Russell talk about it, how terrifying it is to walk into a scene or know you're getting ready to film a scene where you have eight people. How, where are you going to put a camera? How are you going to move around a crowd of people and at the same time, tell a story? Yeah. And that's he, just terrifying on a film. Exactly. Level, not yeah. even on a light. And he references, you know, the original so many times because I don't think that they bothered to give up. They never single even fuck. considered that yeah, as, a, it's, as a thing. It's just we're going to place a camera over here and you guys do your thing. And it's just I don't a even know if they actually fuck. completely wrote the script before they started shooting it. I because it definitely it. seems like. There's scenes where there's just like five people in one shot all on the screen at the same time. And they're all like just just saying lines. Yeah. It's, it's so a mess. confusing. It is yeah. a mess. And it's a shame because like the the aspects that Carpenter did use from it, a lot of the uh, the aesthetics, a lot of the dark hallway shots, which feel mm -hmm. 
out of place in the 1950s movie because they're actually yeah. creepy. And then random other things. But the one thing that he really didn't use at all was how <laughs> how those people interact. Yeah. <laughs> because, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so back to this, this monster is a carrot. So, right. You remember the part where they find the dog in the greenhouse? Yes. That is supposed to show that obviously he's a vampire of some sort. So he drains the blood from living things. Mm -hmm. At some point, the doctor, who's just an idiot, like he's too, he's an idiot. Yeah. I get it, but you're going to die. Yeah. (laughs) There's a point when you just are like, you know what? It's time that we just fucking kill this thing. And what's interesting is that they actually bring, sort of bring his character back for the prequel. Right. Because he's kind of the, I don't remember the actor's name, but the mm-hmm. the main like guy that recruits Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And the dude from Dumb and Dumber. Or- the, that's, you know what? <laughs> Eric Christian Ols- Olsen? I think. I think it's Eric Christian. Is he related to the Olsen twins? I have no idea. I just assume anybody with the name Olsen is at this point. Yeah. He's in Community. And, he is in Community. And Dumb and Dumber. Hey, and, hi, hello. Right? <laughs> no worries, man. So, yeah. So, that scientist is a throwback to the scientist from Think from Another Planet. Mm-hmm. Another world? Another planet? Another world. Another world. So, at some point, the captain guy, mm-hmm. the main the main hero in Think right. from Another World, there's 17 people in the greenhouse for no real reason. And at one point, you see the doctor look over at one of the planters. Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't say anything. And you're like, the fuck was that about? And then everybody leaves. And then it's just him and his, like, scientist people, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to explain that one of the plants or something wasn't there before or something like that. And he does tests on it. And it's essentially a carrot, but it's growing like it's alive gotcha and it's part of the monster and then you and then i'm pretty sure he plants more of them and then that's that's kind of it so but that's why the monster is like trying to protect the greenhouse that movie is mess i feel like it is a mess i feel like we watched completely different movies i don't know how i missed any of that because it's very very confusing. <laughs> so was the monster himself trying to turn into a carrot? Does no, the, it are, the, no the monster is a vegetable. What was the monster that originally that planted the carrots? A vegetable. So there was a vegetable in the ice? Yes. It has a similar cell structure to a vegetable. My mind is fucking blown right now. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what the hell? But honestly, when I watched it, I made it I mean, I watched the whole thing. Obviously, I didn't pay much attention, um, but I, I gave it, I gave it the old college dropout try. Um, but I, I got like a good like forty five minutes into it. It's about an hour and a half. I got forty five minutes into it, and I'm like, holy shit, what is going on? And then yeah. I kind of just started scrolling on my phone, and then the next thing I knew, everything was on fire. There's Frankenstein monsters roaming through the halls. And they're battling the monster and the movie ended. So yeah. I missed a lot of that explanation involving carrots, apparently. I don't I don't know if missed would be the right term. Right. Yeah. Just skipped over. Yeah. Found, found unimportant because it really is. It's just a detail that doesn't really 
That's the thing is that nothing in that movie really has any weight to it because it's just kind of they just say stuff and then move on from it. Yeah, I did read that they obviously the the Carpenter version is much closer to the book, the short story, um, because in 1951, there was no possible way that they were able to to really come close to pulling off that story visually with a shape-shifting alien. They wanted to. So fuck it, he's a carrot. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. That was probably their attempt at, or getting the point across that he is going to replicate himself. Yeah. Or replicate itself and, and spread instead of taking over the individual body and replicating it on a cellular level. Right. I will say the the idea of like 15 of those fucking Frankenstein carrot vampires like all at the same time is pretty scary. Yeah, I wouldn't want to fuck with it. No. Imagine how much fucking dressing you would need. A a lot. It's a lot of dressing. Although, I mean, it's not really all that threatening because all you just eat it. I mean, valid. Yeah. 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 All right. Also, I don't know much about thermite bombs. Because in the movie, they use thermite bombs to mm-hmm. accidentally blow up the ship. And I use it, the word accidentally loosely because I they acted surprised that the fucking aircraft <laughs> blew up. They were like, what just happened? And I'm sitting in my chair screaming at my television going, you used thermite bombs. What did you yeah. think was going to happen? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I know a little bit about thermite bombs, which sounds more suspicious than it should. I've just watched a lot of Mythbusters. Uh-huh. Um, I don't... Thermite doesn't really explode. It just melts. Gotcha. Maybe okay. maybe they have a... I don't know enough about, like, military thermite mm-hmm. uses, so maybe they have some sort of, like, explosive and Element? thermite. Yeah. Yeah. They're normally, like... A, like, you would take a thermite charge i guess and like put it on the hood of a car if you wanted to fully <laughs> fucking disable the car because it'll just melt through the engine block gotcha which also if you use enough of them on a spaceship i'm assuming that you're probably gonna fuck it up right and i think that they i think that they hit one of the engines yeah i think so because then it's... they find the alien body and one guy as they're describing it there's some guy in the background goes we could use more thermite bombs to get it out and it's like no you fucking cock you can't you just blew up the whole spaceship you're gonna blow up the alien yeah but i guess that makes sense if they don't have an explosive element and they just hit one of the engines yeah i'm starting to i'm starting to put this this movie together the way it should have been yeah Um. although it's a little bit how do i want to say it? it it's a little bit too forward to assume that the UFO has a combustible engine that's capable of exploding, but whatever, I'll allow it. That's another episode entirely. Yeah, because it probably doesn't. <laughs> we know that from Bob Lazar. They don't yeah. fucking have they don't fucking have gasoline parts. <laughs> it's a gravitational drive. Yeah, yeah. The projects creates gravity. Yeah. And the ship just rolls forward, god Yeah, it. dicks. I will say there's not a whole lot else to say about the 50s one. No, no. I have one more comment that I wrote down where I quoted one of the guys saying, it's the biggest story since the parting of the Red Sea. And I was just like, LOL, what? Okay, well, if we're going to do silly accents, then I think that now is the time. (laughs) If we're going to do silly voices, then I think that now is the time. So I have 
two there's only two lines really because the rest of it I couldn't understand because <laughs> they just kept talking they just kept saying things and I was like yeah. all right but one two lines that I did catch were I've already pulled one boner out on the ice <laughs> my favorite thing about the 50s was that boner was just a fucking term for like a mistake yeah and that is aged so beautifully and then he looked pretty spry for a guy with 12 dogs on him. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. Oh, and then and then a bonus. What can we learn from that thing but a quicker way to die? <laughs> I liked in the beginning where, where the one guy just was so fascinated by the fact that females exist that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, he was yeah. just, that he was just like, oh, the North Pole. There might be women there. And then somebody mentioned Seattle and he's like, oh, Seattle, it's warm. And oh, oh my gosh, there might be women there. And then it gets quiet, and then he's like, who don't wear, have to wear fur pants? And it's like, God, man, just look, chill out. You know what comes with fur pants? Huh? Cheetah print. And you do look great in cheetah print. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you're you. welcome. I appreciate it. I know style when I see it. <laughs> just like Kurt Russell and his balls. <laughs> but yeah, there's really not that much left to talk about for the original movie. It's mainly just dialogue. Far- Far too much dialogue. Yeah, far too much dialogue. That a lot of which doesn't really have much to do. It's mainly them. One person says one thing, and then another person confirms it, and then another person confirms <laughs> that that person was right. But it was that was three. That was four different people. Yeah, three lines and four different people said it, and then somebody else says something completely different mm -hmm. and then it's on to the same rotation same, yeah. but then there's also two other conversations in the background right right and and also i will say on the sexism thing also at no point does anyone other than the captain listen to what she has to say right of course because she keeps trying to be like hey that's fucking stupid <laughs> don't do that and the doctor scientist guy is just like and just like kind of like right. might as well just push her face out of frame yeah yeah and then the reporter just constantly cries oh my god the reporter is just constantly crying and every five seconds asking if they've heard from anyone and yeah. it's like no no we haven't you've, we've you piece of we've shit. heard we've heard from command yeah yeah and barely i will say that his closing like monologue about look to the skies oh Amazing. yeah yeah it was really cool it had some good lines but it did, overall it had some, yeah i almost wish that they would have gone hokier with it yeah or more action than like horror mm -hmm. because it just doesn't i mean it's it's so hard to tell with these with the older with the black and white 50s movies and stuff because like we weren't i don't have that frame of reference yeah. For how people like I can put myself into the frame of reference of somebody in the 80s and 70s, 60s, right? But I just can't. 50s were such a weird, weird. Like, no one had actually been scared yet, right? By a movie, which is weird to think because you know they'd been actually scared by fucking Nazis, yeah, yeah. And especially like I was fairly surprised when I realized that this came out in uh 1951. Like, that's such a pivotal moment in world history, let alone American history. So it, it's just a, it's just strange. Like, that that whole time. When was Roswell? Uh, 40, 
<laughs> Hang on, I, love I actually that you have just... it on my. I actually have the whenever we went to the Alien Museum. Yeah. Uh, tip for anybody who goes to the Alien Museum and Roswell: one of the first booths that you go to, you can look down and there is a calendar with sheets on it that have the date, and you could just take them. So yeah, because it's literally all the same date, so you're supposed to take them. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a uh, 1947. You have the end of World War II, and then this shit happens, and then you start having all these crazy sci-fi alien movies. Well, and clearly, I mean, they're a, they're a direct. It's a direct response to Roswell type shit. And like oh yeah, aliens. of course, because that was the first time that there had been like some sort of UFO. So. Yeah. We're definitely going to do a whole series on on Roswell and UFOs. Oh yeah, that yeah, shit. that'd be awesome. the The movies from back then, I think that's why the remake of the Blob works so well. Just like the remake of the Thing that Carpenter did, mm. they work so well because you can tell that they wanted to do something cool, but they're obviously very, very limited to what they're able to make. Yeah, they just did not have any of the tech yet. Yeah, and I think those those two movies in particular stand out as remakes because the source material was so good. The concept yeah, of finding a crazy monster in the ice is such a cool idea. And there's so much room to do stuff with. Yeah. I haven't read the book. Have you? No, no, I, I need to get it. I know they, they just did an, a, a reprint of it. I want to say this year or last year uh, with additional stuff to it, but yeah, I've been meaning to get it and read it. Maybe we could do something for that for like if we start a Patreon. Like yeah, we could do a, yeah. we could do a, a review of that and yeah. uh, and you know, do a little mini thing for Yeah. Cuz the the I know the book is much more intense graphic. Um it has the characters from Carpenter's version. So it really feels like Carpenter didn't remake the thing from another world. He just made the book but gotcha. obviously borrowed a couple concepts from the original. Yeah. Especially the opening logo, because it's the exact same in all three of the movies. I was really blown away when I put on Thing from Another World, and it's the same logo. Yeah. And it looks like they did the exact... Do you know how they did that? It's something with a fish tank. So what they did was they took, I, I guess, a fish tank. They took something and they painted they painted blackout on... right on one side of it and then just the logo was clear and then they put a pla uh, a trash black yeah. flash drag behind it and a light shining through it mm -hmm. or a light shining at the trash bag and then they lit the trash bag right. on fire and you could see the fire on both thing from another world and the carpenter thing you could see the little drips of plastic and fire and that's what makes it so it, it's it's so good like yeah. it's so crazy that it's too cool of a logo for a 50s movie. <laughs> yeah, I was really shocked to see that. When it came yeah. up on the screen, I was like, whoa, whoa. It might be the best 50s. It's it's almost not a good 50s logo because it doesn't look right. Yeah, it it, it is very not it's from that time. It's time. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, crazy. So good. Yeah. Everything else is on par, but that oh, that that logo is, <laughs> for, is for better or worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that logo is not from that era. All right, so if we're going to get into the prequel, I think that it's time that I'm sort of guilty of this just mm -hmm. because whenever we first heard about this, it was being stated that it was a remake. Right, and it originally was. 
it originally was greenlit as a by the studio as a remake. Yes. And then fortunately, everyone involved with it was like, that's stupid. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't we're not doing that. Yeah, the producers actually told Universal that it's impossible to remake Carpenter's movie because it's perfect. And to try would be like try would be like basically painting a mustache on the Mona Lisa. Which is very accurate and also weird when you think about it is 2020 and they are now discussing Carpenter remaking Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how that's going to work. Anyways, so for the longest time, it was really confusing to me because I kind of had both the concept that it was a remake pounded into my head and then eventually they switched it and it was a prequel. Mm -hmm. So I was having the same thing that we had whenever we were trying to discuss Town of the Dreaded Sundown, like, is it a prequel? Is it, right. a, is it a sequel? Is it a remake? Is it a reboot? Is it a whatever? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a prequel. Oh, we yeah. To go ahead and stop, because I still see people constantly talking about it online, saying yeah. that it's a remake. It is not a fucking yeah, not remake. Yeah, there not is nothing about it that is a remake, except for the fact that it's in a similar location under similar circumstances, Yeah, and there's, and the thing. Yeah, that's which it. I mean, yeah, that's that's exactly what it needed to be. Yeah, and like, what else is it gonna be? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a horror movie about an alien that can take over people, right? In Antarctica, it's gonna be pretty much the same fucking movie, which yeah. is fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with it. I enjoy prequels to a certain extent, obviously if they're yeah. done really well, but this one nails everything that it needs to. I don't know why it necessarily got so much shit. I think that on the subject of it being a prequel, mm-hmm. I think it hits every point that it needs yes. to. Because what I want from a thing prequel is what happened at Nordic Base. Right. Yeah, exactly. Why is this place so fucked? Yeah. Like, yeah. it is super fucked. Like, there's dudes with their wrists slit and frozen, mm-hmm. and there's holes in the wall, and everything's totally fucked. And yeah. there's just corpses everywhere, yeah. and everybody's on fire. Or was on fire. Right. And they did a fantastic job at leaving little things along the way that you see in, in Carpenter's film, like the axe, yeah. you know, smashed into and lodged inside the wall that Kurt Russell walks past. Right. And I really, really paid attention this time to the prequel. Every, yeah. as far as I could tell, everything that happens in the prequel. 100% lines up with the damage that they come on to, which obviously right. is the point. Why would you do the movie otherwise? But it's just nice to see that level of care yeah. about the details to it. Now, the sad thing is, is it would have been a million times better if the studio hadn't fucked it up. And it's so bizarre to me because they did the same thing with Carpenter. The reason why his tone changed after his film came out and it bombed, the reason why he was so angry at major studios was because he had, and I didn't know this, he had a deal to make multiple films with Universal. And and that was going, his career, he said multiple times over the years that this film was the film that changed his entire life. Had this film gone something different or did something different, then his life would have been com- would have completely radically changed. I wonder what the other movies were. I'm not sure. I don't know if he necessarily had a plan for what he was going to make, but yeah, he, his deal was with Universal that he was going to make three other films. 
and this film bombed so they completely cut him and and sent him off on his way why did this movie bomb i still don't understand it yeah we'll get into that later because there's a review that i found from new york times that blew me the fuck away so that was with carpenter's version now you would think that the fact that by 2011 carpenter's film has revolutionized fucking horror yeah, it's absolutely. it's now considered one of the not even just the best horror movies ever made, one of the best movies ever made. Yeah, it is 100% the best horror movie ever made. It's within my top three. It is my favorite horror movie of all time. So you would think now that that movie has developed the reputation that it has by 2011, the same fucking studio would be like, got it. But they did it. They no. completely fucked this prequel up. For yeah. example, there's one, uh, you mentioned the slit wrist guy. The, yeah. I can't remember his name. He was by the radio. There was an entire scene that showed what happened to him, but they thought that it was just too much and just randomly decided to cut it. So what that scene was, apparently it's in the, uh, the, um, um, the deleted scenes. He was about to be taken over by the thing and he sacrifices himself in order to, to, to try and radio them out and then he kills himself. But apparently they filmed the whole fucking, his whole suicide scene. Whoa. And apparently it was fucking brutal. I want to get bet. the Blu-ray in order to, in order to watch it. But yeah. so they cut that out. Um, at the end of the film, when her character ends up inside the UFO, mm-hmm. what's supposed to, what you're supposed to, to see is her walking into the UFO and you, she's seeing a shit ton of alien bodies. That were all taken over by the thing, or that were that killed themselves in order to not be taken. They were gonna kind of leave it open, like be, mm-hmm. it, it's gonna. It was supposed to be ambiguous. So she's walking through, or I guess stumbling through the UFO, and she sees multiple alien bodies. There was a chair in the center of the main room that had a pilot in it, and he was. Right. I want to say he was hung, um, but he was all fucked up, yeah. and. The concept was, is this different versions of the thing or here's this entire alien crew and they have been roaming around outer space, picking up bodies, um, doing whatever. And one of the bodies that they picked up was infected with the thing or mm. was a thing and it broke apart and that's why they crashed. Or, or it broke out of its containment thing and started to fuck everybody up and they okay. killed themselves. Basically, they crashed their ship in order to try and stop it. I want to say that I heard this theory somewhere, which is very similar to that, but it just essentially killed everyone or they all killed themselves and it uh-huh. was joyriding the UFO. <laughs> <laughs> and then it completely ran out of, of gravity drive and yeah. accidentally crashed. But when she, in the scene, whenever she walks into the center of the room... Um, You're supposed to see all this craziness that I just went over. And at the last fucking minute, the studio decided they didn't like it and told him to completely cut out all of that. And then he's like, well, what the fuck do I do with this scene? And they made him put in that weird Tetris thing. Which there's no explanation. No explanation. So the director's experience making this movie was so fucking bad that he didn't make another film for a decade. Here's the thing. If you take that part away from the movie, the going into the ship stuff is fine. 
Yeah, it's yeah. Really, my biggest issue with this movie is the cyber Tetris thing. That is just oh yeah, yeah. So and like, now that I know, what am I watching? Right, and now that I know the actual story behind it, I I can give it a pass because that's obviously not at all what story they were trying right. to tell. So all of the holes that f- in the story that frustrate me, they had a plan to tell all of it. Yeah, and what's what's funny is there's not really that many holes no, in it. No, no. They still did it's, a really good job patching it together. Yeah, my biggest issue has to do with the CG, and I know that this is a lot of people's biggest issue with it. Yeah. And to be clear, I think that the CG's not the worst. No, it's definitely the not. The CG Tetris is fucking stupid. It's and like, let's horrible. confirm that. It's terrible. So I just ignore that part. Yeah. But the rest of it's okay. Yeah, the, the the like the thing transformations are okay. The problem is, is that, and I I know you have too. Like I've seen what the actual physical effects props were for it, and they were fucking horrifying. Yeah, they were I, they were fucked up. Yeah, I saw it. They just had I forget whose um effects place it was, but mm-hmm. uh, Adam Savage from MythBusters uh was doing a tour of of a big like of of like a it was a big effects legend and he was selling off a bunch of his stuff and Adam was doing a tour of the place and he was like, what is this? And it's just a random physical prop from the original stuff. And it's fucked. It looks fucked in a warehouse. Right. It's just so fucked. Like it's not moving. It's not doing anything. It's just horrifying. Yeah. And Man, I want that version. Yeah, me too. And again, that was all the studio. They yeah. were filming all of it, and they came through and midway through it, and were like, "Nah, we're we're gonna do it this way." So why? I have no. They they have no idea. They legitimately have no idea. Even the even the director and the producers were like, "I, I don't know." So they were forced to do it that way, and it got so, so bad ridiculous. that it got so bad that the um the special effects makeup guys were by the end of it they were literally telling the computer animators that you guys could have saved us so much fucking time. We could have just sketched these drawings out and then just went home. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a massive, it's a massive waste. All the studio needed to do was just go, we're just going to do CG. Yeah. Cause they had, you know, they had to pay for all that effects work. Yeah, exactly. Just because it's not in the movie doesn't mean you don't have to pay for it. Right. It's very, very strange. You would think again, the studio that's behind Carpenter's version would have been like, okay, let's make a fucking killer movie. Okay. Do we want to talk about ice crevices for a second, or do we want to talk about Nazis? Uh, I pick ice crevices because um, Nazis scare me as well, but ice crevices can fuck itself. Okay, perfect. Because if there's a Nazi at the bottom of this ice crevice, I'm out. Although if there's a Nazi at the bottom of the ice crevice, then I will purposely aim to land on his head. Okay. And then I'll be like, all right, I'm consigned to my death. At least I fucking killed a Nazi. Good point. Good point. But yeah, ice crevices are one of my biggest fears. I don't even know what to say about it. It's that fucked. Like, it's claustrophobia mixed with it's ice. So you literally can't climb out. No. And... You can just get stuck. No, no, they're fucking terrifying. And even I've always been weirded out whenever I watch movies where they have to cross a crevasse. 
uh, where where they have to lay down just regular fucking ladders that you buy at Home Depot, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and you have yeah. to walk across uh, with the spike boots on, and it's like there you know that there's no fucking traction. I have terrible balance. I'm gonna fall. <laughs> I'm gonna fall down an ice crevasse, and I'm gonna fucking freeze to death. First, you'll probably starve to death. First, I'll break my leg. Yes, and then all then possibly I'll, also an arm. Possibly also an arm. Um, I'm going to run into the Nazi that's down there, and I'm just going to get yeah. pissed because I can't do anything. And then I'm going to slowly freeze to death. Can we just start the myth that all ice crevasses have a Nazi at the <laughs> bottom? Have a of Nazi them? at the bottom. That's where they went and fucking hid. Uh, those <laughs> fucking cowards. I, I, there's nothing else to say about ice crevasses. I just wanted to state for the fucking record that they're fucking terrifying. Yeah, they're terrifying. They Can really we are. put out a creeporama warning on ice crevasses? Yes, yes. And also, how many times can we say ice crevasse? As many times as as we can, as as we want, honestly. All right, this uh, is the creeporama ice crevasse warning. Yeah. Pro tip: uh, just don't go to Antarctica. Although. Actually, now it's probably a lot less threatening because the world's on fire. There's a lot less ice to crevasse. Exactly. But uh, I just found this out recently. Um, I didn't know that back in the 50s, there was like a treaty signed by all the fucking countries of the world that basically said that there were... Nobody can claim ownership of Antarctica. Mm -hmm. Nobody is allowed to bring guns to Antarctica. So how are you going to fight the crevasses? I don't fucking know. Because there's clearly an army of ice crevasses in Antarctica just waiting to strike. Yeah, and they're just hanging out, and nobody's doing anything. Nobody's about it. doing a fucking thing about all these ice crevasses, and it's fucking terrifying. Um, so you're not allowed to bring guns to Antarctica, which means if you run into the aliens that live inside of the ice crevasses, you're fucked. But the Scene in Carpenter's version where, you know, Windows goes and tries to break into the gun cabinet. Well, he does break into the gun cabinet and steals all the guns. The stuff that I was reading was like, yeah, that's that that can't happen because you can't bring guns there. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. There's guns throughout those movies. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't connect this the first couple times that I watched the prequel. Towards the end of the movie, Joel's character mentions that there's a Russian base. Yeah, only a couple miles from there, but that's not mentioned in Carpenter's film. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I think that's just one of those things that like they didn't. It was too much to to put into the movie, I guess. Maybe. Which I then thought, okay, well, at the end of the prequel, her character is in the little machine and she's right. just cruising off into nowhere, gonna go fight something or gonna go try and survive. I'm, or, or I'm guessing she's going to try and go to the Russian base. But I also found out that the writer of the the script said that in the script, specifically, they write that she died on the way. She never made it to really? anywhere. Yeah. Which seems huh. like a dumb thing to, to, to do. I mean, who knows by the time they fi- finish the movie, maybe in their headcanon, they, they, you know, toss that. Yeah. But... To me, I really wish that there would be some way to connect the um, the prequel to Carpenter's version. There's no way because it's been too fucking long. But having her character stumble upon the United States base towards the or at the end of Carpenter's film, rescuing Kurt Russell and and uh, Childs or Mac and Childs is such a good way to keep that story going. 
Yeah. And then they could go to the Russian base, and then one of them is obviously the thing, and then it just keeps going. But apparently that also can't happen because um, I guess they did a series of comic books after- Re- Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I after, yeah, I didn't know about them. But after Carpenter's um, movie, they did a, a string of comic books, and in that comic book, um, McCready and Childs both get rescued. And and I want to say the only one that survives is McCready, and he's he gets his blood tested, and he's fine. And Carpenter says in his head that that is total, that's canon. What? Yeah, I was kind of disappointed because I kind of still, in my head, I just want to envision that McCready and Childs are still sitting that completely there. And like, yeah, kind of. Yeah, well, the deeper that I dug into theories about the ending, the worse it got because and I'm I love John Carpenter, mm-hmm. but it's mainly because of him. <laughs> in the commentary for for his his film at the end of it him and kurt russell are going back and forth over the ending scene right and and they're both like man i love i i just i love this scene because carpenter wanted to give an answer Ru- kurt russell was like i think we should just leave it ambiguous really and they kept the whole movie kurt russell and carpenter kept going back and forth back and forth like i don't trying to come up with okay well how do we give this ending a final you know feeling and russell's kept saying like we don't and that's interesting because i remember and i couldn't find it this time but i remember reading a thing where it said and i don't remember who said this but it stated that carpenter during the filming told everyone that no one ever knew who who was the thing. Yeah, he did say that. And it's weird if you take the prequel and his film and put it together because it really comes down to what the viewer wants to think of is accurate. Yeah. So and if you're only looking at Carpenter's version, then you're not sure which one of Childs or McCready at the end is a thing. Yeah. Neither one of them could be. They both could be one or the other, whatever. Um, So as you go through all of these theories, Carpenter responded in 2003 and said that he can't understand why that there is any confusion about whether Childs and McCready are human or not, because the last scene shows, quote, Kurt Russell and Keith David staring at each other, harshly backlit. It's completely glaringly obvious that Kurt Russell is breathing and Keith David is not. What? Yeah. So then the video game tie-in that came out in 2002, right. it is revealed that Mac, or that Mac survives and is picked up by a search and rescue team while Childs freezes to death. John Carpenter has stated that the game is canon and then also confirmed that Mac and Childs were both human at the end by endorsing the video game as canon in relation to his film. So obviously those are two completely different perspectives coming from the same person. Because then there's also the the whole thing where Kurt Russell says that he didn't know. Right. Because in the uh, circle back around to the commentary, they're going back and forth and it's at the end of the scene. And Kurt Russell is like, now we know Mac isn't a thing. And Carpenter goes, well, do we? Yeah. And then they start laughing and and they're like, ah, damn it. Now we're now we're doing this all again. It's been 30 years and we still don't know. And Carpenter's (laughs) like, he's like, that's exactly why it's so interesting, because you really don't know. He goes, because 
there were scenes where we don't see McCready. And Kurt Russell's like, yeah, God damn it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and that's, see, I have a whole bunch of notes on these different theories and stuff that I was right. going to bring up. And as I was going through them, I was like, oh, you know, that's a good point. Oh, like, what if McCready was? And oh, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, there's the thing about him giving Keith David yeah. the, the, the bourbon. Whiskey. The yeah. whiskey, but it's not whiskey because he right. was a Molotov, so yeah, it's, it's gas. gas. Yeah. And, like, he knows that, but the other one doesn't and blah, blah, blah. But then also, like, there was another thing that was, like, what if Kurt Russell was just that good at being the thing? Because another right. part of the theory is that each one of the things is not connected to each other. Oh, It's whoa. not a hive mind. It's each one of them has its own will i haven't thought about that and yeah that's what really blew my mind because that really because whenever with the heart attack scene where it fucking rips his hands off and stuff and then they torch it that's why the head is leaving right yeah because it's like oh fuck i have to escape so it separates its consciousness into that part go go gadget spider legs (laughs) yeah so now that's another part and then there was another thing where I can't. I think it might have been in the, the prequel where like an arm comes off or something, and mm-hmm. then it runs off. And the theory was like that means that each part, each cell, mm-hmm. is its own thing. Yeah. So if you burn the whole camp, that doesn't mean that you burnt every single cell of blood. Right. Because remember, even after it's burnt, it's still alive. Yeah. Exactly. So. In theory, there's, I mean, and that's where it gets to the point where it's like, how far yeah. do you want to dig into it? Yeah, yeah, we're going to like, dig into that. Bl- we're going to fall into that black hole and never come out. Yeah, but it makes it like, what if Kurt's thing mm-hmm. was so good at being undiscovered right, that it started playing a human? Yeah. Yeah. And it in like I don't know if like it told its blood to be cool. Right. <laughs> but you're Kurt Russell, that, bro. You're Kurt Russell, man. You gotta be suave. You gotta yeah, come yeah, on. You're yeah. Kurt, you are Kurt Russell's blood, man. Yeah. You gotta chill. And the thing's like, Just, oh shit. <laughs> oh man. Good fucking point, man. Yeah. All right, man. I'm I got these huge balls that I don't know what to do with. <laughs> I'm gonna that's how you that's how you know it's Kurt Russell's blood, because Kurt <laughs> Russell's blood just has huge balls. Yeah. <laughs> You look at it, it's just blood cells with a ball, with balls just hanging off, just floating through the microscope. Jesus. <laughs> but that's the thing, is that the blood test, unless he somehow has power over his blood, which the rest of the movie makes it so that it doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. it kind of ruins that concept. However, there's only one blood test in the movie, and he, he I mean, there's scenes where he's not on screen. Yeah, even after the blood test. I mean, he's not in every scene, so it could be very feasible that he could have gotten nabbed. At any point. Now, the the hive mind thing is, or the hive mind concept, I got to be really careful about how many times I say thing, yeah. uh, because it really can be applied to everything. Everything is a monster. The thing is the thing, is the thing that, the thing with the thing yeah. is that this thing is the thing. Yeah, and somehow it all makes sense. Um, but with the hive mind is when you watch the whole, um, whenever you watch the prequel and Carpenter's version, um, it just continues to get smarter and smarter and it can replicate and it can advance its knowledge. And that was another part of, of the, the theory one of the theories that I read was that 
So, and I really like this because this has nothing to do with Mac being a thing, which is hard mm-hmm. to like track. Yeah. But so in the first movie or in the prequel, it crashes and is frozen for 100,000 years. Yes. So we don't know what the fuck happened before it crashed, mm-hmm. but clearly it's already done this other places. It has oh, yeah, to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, but. Well, that's, that's, sorry to cut you off. That's one of the things that they touch on in the commentary is that a lot of the, uh, a lot of the transformation scenes, what you're really seeing when it's transforming is conglomerations of other past thing versions of it. Right. Which then brings into question the very first time that you see the thing in the prequel where it busts out of the, uh, out of the ice is that the original form of the thing Right. Or is it what it took over? Yeah, yeah. Right. You can just keep going. Yeah. So the the thing that interests me is that it's been fucked up for a while. Like it's a hundred thousand years in the ice, it's frozen, it's you know, who knows what and it's plus it that's its first it hasn't experienced Earth or humans. Right. It probably freaked the fuck out and it's like I picked the wrong fucking terrain to crash into. Well, first off, yes, definitely. Second, and more importantly, is it's never dealt with humans before. So it might not know how best to take us over, essentially. Yeah. And also it has to be in survival mode because it's in the it's in the tundra. So Mm -hmm. one thing that I realize is that this this movie concept doesn't work anywhere else except the tundra. Because if it was like in a jungle, it'd just take over every fucking insect and every fucking (laughs) animal. And then we're just fucked. Yeah, we're completely screwed. Because if because if it takes over all the dogs then I'm going to pet a dog and turn into a thing, it's just going to happen. Yeah, it's just going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, so it really only works in the tundra, which I'm hoping that they don't try to change that because that yeah. would be ridiculous. Yeah, then the concept's going to completely fall apart. Yeah, although it would be interesting to watch. However, it just ends in world domination because there's yeah. no other way. Yeah, anyway, which I'm down to see that. Yeah, I would definitely. I'll fucking watch the shit out of that. But yeah. so it lands in a tundra, so it has to. It has very limited options for what it can turn into. Mm-hmm. It also doesn't have any concept of human thinking and logic and how perceptive we are and how paranoid we are. And yeah, how, there's no... And also how warlike. Yeah, it doesn't understand the nuance of humans. So the theory that I love the most is that when it wakes up, it's in, like, rampage mode because it just doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So it tries to brute force itself yeah. into the Norwegian base. And the outcome of that is clearly fucking chaos and it barely escapes it barely escapes with its life yeah and then carpenters if it's all considering everything is canon carpenters version is it's now learned that it can't do that again it can't exactly. brute force it has to be stealth it yeah. has to blend in somehow and not be seen yeah which is really interesting because that does because the the prequel is much more of an action movie where oh yeah yeah they kind of like they see it they see it first off so they know it's there yeah they know it's a thing that's happening and then they they very quickly realize that it can turn into other people because it just starts attacking motherfuckers yeah it completely catches its or leaves itself out in the open yeah you know there's like you said it's it there's no stealth involved no, it's kind of like, oh, I'm a person. I'm attacking right. you. <laughs> right. Like, and I think that that's what the writer's perspectives was. Okay. Uh, that makes sense from what I've read. Now, 
storytelling wise, that's fascinating. That's yeah. a really cool concept to show an evolution of a crazy mutating alien monster thing. Then, and this is kind of shitty because it, it, it forces you in, into the situation where you're cherry picking what you want to believe. Yeah. Um, because if that story, if that is all canon, then in Carpenter's version, it doesn't say anything about it not being able to replicate um, inorganic material. That's only in the prequel. So uh, that means that if we are going to take the prequel as canon, then which introduced the that idea where, you know, it can't um, replicate the steel rod in the guy's leg. It right. can't replicate the molars in the teeth uh, or the uh, the fillings in, the mo- in, 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 in people's teeth. Right. That then means that Childs at the end of Carpenter's film is not the thing because you can clearly see his earring. Oh shit, you're right. Yeah. Now you could also because I don't like that because I like I want to have the ending to Carpenter's film remain a mystery. That's the yeah. whole attraction of it to me. Now you can. This is me going. Well, fuck you. I don't like that. Uh, but you can, if the whole idea is to watch over the course of these, these movies, this alien becoming more and more intelligent or learning how to become a better replicant of a human, you can then say, well, if Childs was a thing, maybe it put the earring back on. Yeah. It went to the Claire's. Yeah. It got, it got its ear pierced in the mall. Exactly. It had a little, it had a little trip. My dad and mom signed this signed this permission slip because it's only it's not very old. No, only no. Few, it's only a few Earth years old. So yeah, it my my mom and dad signed this permission slip and took me to Claire's and <laughs> sorry 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 go go ahead go ahead. So that means that depending on what way you want to look at it, he still could it still could be a mystery. Yeah. That's the, that frustrates the fuck out of me. But also it's so good. Like in a way it's so good because there's no actual on-screen resolution to it. Right. You can you can literally just start building more and more concepts that make it more confusing because like you yeah. said like okay, so now we're accepting that it can't do that, but it is brilliant. So Right. Now we could do that, but also if it is brilliant, then wouldn't it know what gasoline is? If that's a mo- <laughs> like, there's so much, so so much. Yeah. One of the things that I really want to see is where Blair was going to go with the UFO that he built because that did not look safe to fly. Well, that, and that that thing it, probably would have made it to Ohio. And well, crashed. but that's that's the thing is that that's one of the the aspects that factors into the 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 concept that each one of them is different so each one of the parts of the thing has its own plan yeah that's that's so that one and i and i almost wonder and again this is all just us saying shit right like all right fine let's we'll just (laughs) go with that it seems like the way that the thing works is that whenever it takes over it gains your intelligence oh yeah your knowledge it becomes you yeah, it and that's the thing is that I never really it never really completely clicked for me that it's not just like oh it's now it looks like you no like it thinks like you and right. it acts like you because it is you it now has your personality mm-hmm. and it has all of your thoughts and ideas and knowledge so 
if it's been doing that for however fucking long through however many civilizations, it knows how to build a spaceship. Yeah. And then it gets Blair's knowledge of human stuff, and I think it knows how to build alien parts out of human shit. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, that's... Yeah, I don't know which which idea that I like the best, if it's each individual or if it is a hive mind. Both of them are equally as fascinating. And yeah, both that's, of them that's equal, the thing. But in, both of them work on equal levels. Yeah, and they also fall apart on equal levels. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you know that Toby Hooper was originally attached to write and direct this? I did not know that. Yeah. And this, I love Toby Hooper. <laughs> this was a totally different movie. Well, yeah, I know. I was about to say, like, I don't know if I want Toby Hooper doing a thing movie. It was a bit different. <laughs> it featured an alien that did not shapeshift or assimilate, and it followed a character named the Captain who goes on an epic quest to find and kill the thing. It was supposed to be, quote, a swashbuckling action-adventure epic. We're just going to let that silence hang for a minute. Toby, I love you, but no. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. So let's dig into why people didn't like this movie, or the Carpenter's film whenever it first came out. Okay, yeah. So one of the things that I caught Carpenter say in the commentary was, and it was such a casual line that he says to Kurt Russell, and he goes, you know, the paranoia really glues this story together. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it really it does. It does, but it's such a good line. It, yeah, and... At that point, that caused me to to really think while I was watching the film that what a perfect place for this story to take place because not only is it, you know, it's isolated and, and it adds to the fear of everything, but the characters quickly turns into a kind of like a whodunit kind of story because you don't know who is who or... Yeah, it's it, kind of it, like Clue in the Antarctic. Exactly. And until he said that, it didn't really like the 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 dots didn't really connect that that makes that so good is because they're already at a heightened emotional state because they're living in such a weird environment yeah of being isolated and what that prolonged exposure to isolation will do to you because it'll and make like, you go fucking it's crazy clear from the very beginning of the movie that they all get along but that's about it. Like, they don't all like each other. Right. And that also goes into one of the things that, that Carpenter touches on, where in it may not have explained it in the movie, but for obviously their their care each actor and the and Carpenter as a writer and a director, their own independent individual backstories go into explaining why they're there and all of them have different reasons for being there mm -hmm. most of which is they're trying to run from something because why else would you really go down to antarctica yeah because a lot of them aren't like scientists and stuff. right they're like i honestly don't know what the what the breakdown of everybody's character is off right. the top of my head but like clearly childs mccready palmer at least those four dudes are like pilot slash yeah. like operator and, dudes right and mccready's backstory is that he was a chopper pilot in vietnam awesome that yeah works. and the things that he saw and or had to do and experienced obviously made him into an alcoholic a troubled guy who suffers from insomnia 
And but they also set him up to be the the most likely to survive in this situation. Exactly. So, you know, he's obviously down in Antarctica because he's just trying to get away, which I yeah. really dug learning that about his character. But because of all of that, because all of these people are troubled to some degree, because mm. they're in an emotionally heightened sense, that then adds so much to the overall paranoia of what is going on in the story. So when I started to dig into reviews for the movie, because I did personally didn't know until recently how bad this movie got trashed. I thought, I I know it was brutal. I don't know the depth of it, but dude, I legitimately thought that, I mean, because I'm going into it from from my personal experience about yeah. this movie, which is everybody loves it. Everybody fucking loves this movie. Right. Now. It's legendary. It's the movie. It's the yardstick for all the horror movies. Right. But back then, all of these elements of the story, the characters, the the bleak tone of it, that was new. For the time, the one thing that I've heard just recently from looking at stuff is that the gore because it's not really that bloody actually no but the level of like grotesque gore and effects in this movie is the one of the biggest reasons that people hated it right they just simply had there was nothing to the to prepare anyone for this like it was out of nowhere and arguably that's why i think most of us horror people found it because for me, I was like, I want to find the most fucked up, the craziest right. shit. And somebody was like, have you ever seen The Thing? And I was like, no. And they were like, you need to watch The Fucking Thing because right. it has the best. I'm obsessed with special effects. Oh, yeah. yeah. Practical special effects are like, I, I've been obsessed with them since I was eight and watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I understand how these were made. I still don't get it. Dude, like, I don't. Yeah, it's, it's I can't unreal. even imagine how you would they're so good yeah uh blair thing at the end of the film the one that kurt russell uh blows up with the dynamite that one monster took 50 people op to operate at once that's fucking incredible yeah it's unreal but the combination of the intense graphics and the storyline that featured all of these characters that were so emotional that were so paranoid that they're all all of these things it was completely devoid of hope by the end of the movie and realistically devoid exactly and that really brings into light that i just don't think many people were used to watching movies especially a studio film that didn't end with a positive resolve or, I mean, it has no resolve. Yeah. None. Which is funny because I think that's the reason that so many of of us that are now obsessed with this movie It's why I'm drawn to it. Yeah, because it doesn't have a happy ending. Exactly. I get bored with happy endings. Yeah. It's a realistic end. It's a mystery. But it's also not just, for my point of view, it's also not just bleak. Like, it's not just bleak for the sake of being bleak. It's organic. Like it means something. It comes yeah. from the situation. It's not just, haha, and you're also fucked. Right. And what's interesting is Kurt Russell enjoyed the movie, the storyline of the movie. All the mm. actors loved the storytelling of the movie. But at a cast and crew screening, all of the actors 
walked away from seeing the finished product believing that the film had lost a lot of its relationships because of the monster effects. And which is really weird because the thing only shows up in between, like it's like on screen for six to ten minutes, so it's not even that much on the. But uh, they're the also the. But, but they stick I, with you. I get it. Yeah, I kind of right. get where they're coming from as actors because they just got upstaged by a puppet. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And naturally, Rob the and his crew, the the yeah. special effects guys, him and his crew were the only ones that believed that the movie was amazing. That as a whole. Because they were able, because they were able to see all the time that they put into those. Plus, like, wow, look at the incredible job of the actors and everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, all of the actors have come around over the years yes. and, and changed their minds. So that then led me. All of that led me to go look up actual reviews of this. So Roger Ebert dismissed it as a non-effective alien clone, saying how that, how yeah, how dude. how 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 saying that The Thing is basically just a geek show, a gross-out movie in which teenagers can dare one another to watch the screen. There's nothing wrong with that. I like being scared, and I was scared by many scenes in The Thing. But it seems clear that Carpenter made his choice early on to concentrate on the special effects and the technology and to allow the story and people to become secondary. Because this material has been done before and better, especially in the original Thing... <laughs> yeah, dude... There's no need to see this version unless you are interested in what the thing might look like while starting from anonymous greasy organs extruding gr giant crab legs and transmuting itself into a dog. I would just like to state, I don't believe that you actually like to be scared. Right? Because every fucking movie that we love has been genuinely scary and he hates them. Yeah, exactly. And that I think that really goes to show, I think that echoes what you were saying, where nobody was prepared for these types of graphics. Yeah. Because, again, the thing is only in the film, maybe 10, 10 minutes. Those transformation scenes are long enough, but they're not enough to sit there and say that Carpenter turned his back on actual storytelling to focus no, on, a, on a special effects like a, driven it's film. Like a, how, how long is the movie? Like it's at least two it's hours, two hours. Right? Yeah, it's almost it's, two hours. It's almost two hours long and there's only 10 minutes of, of Alien in it. What's the rest of it? Yeah, exactly. Clearly it's fucking character building and tension and, and frust and like paranoia and all that. Like, yeah. What are you fucking watching? The worst one that I could find was was from New York Times. And this thing is fucking hard to to wrap my head around that somebody could legitimately hate this movie this bad. So the guy writes, John Carpenter's The Thing is a foolish, depressing, overproduced movie that mixes horror with science fiction to make something that is fun as neither one thing or the other. It's a weird what? opening line. Sometimes it looks as if it aspired to be the quintessential moron movie of the 80s a virtually storyless feature composed of lots of laboratory-concocted special effects with the actors used merely as props to be hacked, slashed, disemboweled, and decapitated, finally to be eaten and then regurgitated as, guess what, more laboratory-concocted special effects. Now, I don't remember anybody being regurgitated. No. I don't remember any puke being in this movie. I don't remember anybody even being hacked, really. No, not really. There may be a metaphor in all this, but I doubt it. Mr. Carpenter. <laughs> this fucking guy. Sir, you have played your hand. <laughs> and you have failed to do so. 
Mr. Carpenter has demonstrated that he can make a good, comparatively plain, old-fashioned scare movie, Halloween, and an expensive suspense thriller, Escape from New York, but he seems to lose his own head when he combines two or more genres, as he did in The Fog and does here again. Mr. Carpenter's The Thing seems itself to be intimidating other forms of movies, particularly Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which I was waiting for somebody to say that it was just a ripoff of that movie. Which is also like, no. Yeah, not at all. Um, I, I understand the comparison, but also... I, I, I understand the comparison to Alien, too, but it's so much... It's like both of those things put together to create a new thing. Right, and I think it suffers from... Uh, not the movies that suffers. I think the people uh, back then suffered from nobody had been exposed to these kinds of films and this kind of visual storytelling. So whenever Alien came out, I think that they thought that, okay, cool, we already have our sci-fi Alien movie. It's already done. Yeah. You can't top that. So what are you doing? As we've said time and time again, critics are wrong. I have never found a genuine movie critic and read their reviews and been like, yeah, no, I agree with you because they all seem to just hate horror movies. Yeah. Um, this guy goes on to say that uh, all of the performers are required to do is to react with shock and terror from time to time. What? Like all, right? Like all such movies that don't trust themselves to keep an audience's attention by legitimate dramatic or dramatic means, the thing shows us too much of the thing too soon so that it has no place to go. It plods in circles from one mock horror effect to the next, which is ridiculous because that fucking thing transformed into I don't know how many different things, all of which were different. Yeah. It's entertaining only if one's needs are met by such sights as those of a head walking around on spider-like legs, autopsies on dogs and humans in which the innards explode to take on other not easily identifiable forms, hand severings, immolations, worm-like tentacles that emerge from the mouth of a severed head, and two or more burned bodies fused together to look like spare ribs covered in barbecue sauce. And when I read that, I'm immediately thrown back to the review that you read me of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's the exact same thing. And it's so interesting to me how all of these guys try to trash these movies, but yet write paragraphs like that that sounds so fucking cool. I almost wonder if it's some machismo thing, like some weird thing where they're like, I wasn't fucking scared by that, but they were fucking terrified. I would not doubt it. Because psychologically that tracks. Right. And the paragraph that I just read... Dude, you just gave me every reason in the world as to why I want to watch this fucking movie. Yeah. It sounds fucking great. It that's, sounds like a that's ball. That's great. That's yeah. incredible. So, I, but yeah, I genuinely think it boils down to such basic ideas as, as, as that. Yeah. We have to talk about two, two things from mm -hmm. the prequel. Now that we've kind of gotten into this Carpenter version, I fucking love... Mm -hmm. The fact that at the end of the prequel, after the credits, well, I guess kind of sort of in the middle of the credits. Right, yeah. You suddenly see the helicopter that's in the Carpenter version. Right. And you see the scene that takes you from Norwegian base to American base. Mm -hmm. And you watch these two dudes, which, first off, <laughs> this poor last dude that just <laughs> lands in a helicopter has not a fucking clue. He's been gone the entire time. Yeah, yeah. He lands in a helicopter, and the other dude 
comes out and he's just screaming at him in Norwegian, which they're right. both Norwegian, so it's right, fine. Yeah, he like he it. understands, but also he has to sound like a fucking complete maniac. Yeah. Like the entire base is on fire. Everyone is dead except me. There's an alien in that dog. <laughs> that dog is an alien. Get in this fucking helicopter and we're going to go kill that dog because if we don't kill that dog, the entire world is fucked. He has to take him on his word because how do you, like, it's clearly everything's fucked up. Right, yeah. So they're now flying full speed trying to chase a dog across the fucking, the Antarctic tundra. Mm -hmm. Over crevasses. Over crevasse, so many crevasses. So they're chasing this fucking this dog in a helicopter, which I I feel like a helicopter could catch a dog. I feel like it could too. But it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> and you then watch the scene take you to the American base. Right. Which it cuts. Yeah. And then as soon as you start the Carpenter version, mm-hmm. it picks up. I mean, there's a little bit of overlap, but that's yeah, fine. Yeah. The first dude, the screaming dude, blows himself and the helicopter up. So now you're down a helicopter and a friend. Right. <laughs> and then I love that over the period of this helicopter flight, he's now gung-ho. He's yeah, 100% yeah. on board. He's, he's like, like we got to kill this fucking dog. And he just goes. And then poor dude just gets shot in the fucking face. <laughs> but. Yeah. I love the idea that you can literally watch these two movies back to back. And I've done it many times now. And it just upsets me so much because everybody fucked us out of the right Terminator movies because everybody watched Terminator Salvation thinking that it was a full movie when it wasn't. No. I'm here to look. This is the mountain that I have decided to die on. That I understand Terminator Salvation is flawed. Yes. However, the fucking backlash for that movie is so unnecessary and also not to call the people ignorant, but the idea is ignorant because they didn't, they clearly hadn't read what the idea was for. Right. Mick Mick G is is a flawed filmmaker. He's got some issues, but. Yeah. The idea was that Salvation was the first of a trilogy. Right. That's why at the end of it, yeah, the, the machines are still in charge because you still got two movies. Yeah, exactly. The first movie is the setup. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the second one was going to be. They were going to introduce, and for everybody listening, we are going to absolutely do a complete deep dive on the Terminator series. I'm excited and also terrified. Yeah. However, if people back in 2009 or 2008, 2009, whenever Salvation came out, if they only knew. If they only fucking knew. What was about horrors that this uh, franchise would introduce to the world. (laughs) Then then they would have just happily taken Terminator Salvation. Um, But so this is the intro to 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 that discussion. Um, but what the second film was going to be was going to introduce time travel. And one of the cool things about it was they were going to get Robert Patrick, who played T-1000 in Terminator 2, to play. He was going to be one of the scientists, He was going to be the scientist who cracked it. 
And then at the end of the third movie, they were just going to get in the fucking time machine. They were going to send back Kyle Reese. And then Skynet was going to send back the first Arnold. And then you could have literally watched Terminator 1, 2, 3, (laughs) Salvation, and then the two two Salvation sequels. And then it would lap back on itself. So you could just, it would just be a looping franchise, which is the coolest idea I've ever heard of. Yeah, and it's absolutely perfect for that franchise. Yeah. But yeah, the thing, the the ending of the prequel, that's one of the biggest reasons why I really enjoy it. Yeah. Is because they, they did, with all its flaws, they did do a fantastic job of- Lining everything up. Yeah. yeah they provided a through line to the story and, and really improved upon, they didn't- improve upon John Carpenter's version because you you can it's already perfect but but they, they added they gave you the the ability to live in that world for longer which is exactly what prequels and and sequels are that's the point of them for me is I want I love the world of the thing yeah just the universe that it exists in and I like being able to now have 4 hours of it in a, as opposed to 2 right yeah, exactly. Now, speaking of loving this, the world of the thing. Right. One thing that I found myself thinking about while watching uh, the prequel mm-hmm. that I don't really question in John Carpenter's version, but now that I'm exposed to more of this world, I start to pick up on things. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I never understood about this these movies is why do both the Norwegian and Americans have so many goddamn flamethrowers? Now, I'm not saying that they that people shouldn't have flamethrowers. Everybody should have a flamethrower. They're fucking awesome. E- e- literally everyone. E- everybody. Well, maybe not no, everyone. No, literally maybe everyone. Like, maybe like... Because if everyone has a flamethrower, then it's essentially nobody has a flamethrower. I think that it should be cut. Maybe like 63% of people should have a flamethrower. Everybody okay. like... I don't think the president should have a flamethrower. Uh, no, and- I, I see. I absolutely think that most presidents should have a flamethrower. You know what? Instead of the president having a flamethrower, what if we just have president flamethrower? Okay, I'm I'm much more inclined to entertain that idea. Um, so like, I wouldn't give the president a flamethrower or like people who like shop at Bed Bath and Beyond. Uh, <laughs> although I'm not really entirely sure why I just threw Bed Bath and Beyond under the bus. They have great See, towels. but here's the thing is that I mean the beyond part is where you get the flamethrowers. You know what? I never thought about that before. Yeah, it's bed, bath, and beyond is it it's just a back room full of flamethrowers. Yeah, you never you never been in there? No, that's much less metaphysical than I was than I was thinking. I but... mean they're floating. Okay, now we're talking. Uh <laughs> But aside from those, those small, that percentage of the population, everybody else gets a fucking flamethrower. Okay, everybody, all of our but, listeners definitely get a flamethrower. Yeah, all of you guys, you're cool. You're cool. But again, if you shop at Bed Bath and Beyond, I'm sorry, I can't do it. If if you if you shop at Bed Bath and Beyond, then you have to fill out a waiver. There we go. Okay. See, now we're now we're creating solutions. Yeah. Uh, but I also feel like there's no real logical use for a flamethrower in Antarctica. I have an actual possible answer to it. Okay. Although the fact that they don't allow guns actually makes me kind of wonder 
it makes me wonder two different things because one that could be the workaround because as far as I know, you could use a flamethrower because of ice. So you mm-hmm. could use it. I don't know if it would be a fucking napalm flamethrower, like from Vietnam, much like the ones that they use. Yeah. Cause it's a fucking 14 foot long. Right. <laughs> they may just fire. have flame tossers. <laughs> it's just, it's just a I'm short just, flame. It's just, just a short, it's just an I'm ultra. Now, <laughs> I'm not trying to envision what is a flame tosser. Like, all right, mate, just toss me a little bit of that fire or whatever. Just toss it. Just toss yeah, it. There you go. To- yeah. But you can't catch it because it's fire. So you got, you got to get special gloves. Okay. All right. I'll go down that path. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's, that's the end of the path. You just have special gloves. Just toss it just lightly. <laughs> And we got a huge block of ice. Just, just toss it. You have McCready in the corner going, I can't toss fire. Look, I'm going to need you to toss fire, mate. Uh, I don't know how. You can't throw it. Because if you throw it, it's going to be way too hard. It's going to be way too hard. You're going to get burned. I can only hurl fire. <laughs> it's not uh, a massive wall of flame kind of flamethrower. I, I think... Because I, rem- I now I might be remembering this from Fifth Element, because in Fifth <laughs> Element they have uh, <laughs> spaceship like jockey dudes on the on on the landing pad that like yes are like burning the the I don't know what they are womp rats or some shit right uh, they're like <laughs> creatures that are in the fucking in the wheels and also they're frozen or something but so I was under the impression that they had flamethrowers because everything's ice so yeah. If you if fire, you need to melt something. That's the best way to do that it. It just seems like a really excessive it way to melt da- some ice. Yeah, it man. seems really dangerous. But also, like the fact that they don't have guns makes me wonder. Like, is that what? But that doesn't really make sense. Yeah, because the flamethrower is the natural like trade off to not being able to have a gun. I mean, <laughs> I would rather have kind of. If we're putting, if we're put in a base in the middle of the Arctic, and I had to choose between a bunch of people running around with guns or a bunch of people running around with fucking flamethrowers, I'm choosing flamethrowers. I would much rather have people have guns. You can maneuver around a motherfucker with a gun, especially if you're in in right. a building and all of that stuff you can't escape a flamethrower exactly but you can't escape a flamethrower so it's mutually assured destruction because if you try to light somebody else on fire you're probably also going to take yourself out with it yeah there's really no there's really no end yeah no i honestly i would really like to to have a discussion with somebody who spent time in here.